it's so weird in my brain hole that <laughs> that we in like canonically in the timeline have already yeah. been to Gettysburg. Like, we don't know, not in the timeline we haven't been to Gettysburg, but outside of the timeline, like breaking the fifth wall barrier, we've already been to Gettysburg. Yes. But we can't talk about it yet. Because, right, because the next episode, episode 40, yes. we were like, oh, we're headed to Gettysburg. Got any tips for us? Yes. But we've already been there. But Correct. we recorded 40 before 39, and then we record 41. Yes. Yeah. Um. What a, f- I still. Yep. It's it's gonna be. A I told lot someone fun. about I'm it. Really excited about it. <clears throat> I told it's yeah. I told great. someone about it, and they're like, "Hey, do you have any like crystals?" Ah. And I was like, "Why?" And they're like, yeah. "Um, like like before like cleansing, like 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 do you, do you have any spirits that followed you home?" I was like, Haha. "I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I haven't either. So at least I don't think so. Unless I'm ignoring them. Huh? I haven't had any so, issues. Okay I've had that. zero issues. Nothing. So, anyways." Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about, yeah, um, exactly. I told the first part of the bullshit of being a woman in STEM, I, 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 e part one. So now we're going to talk about part two of what the fuck happened to me. Right. Yeah. Tell me. So this wasn't like a disrespect as a woman, but more of like a, a bullshit thing that happened to okay. me. And I, I think it was kind of bullshit, even though I was, I don't know, there was somebody else who was in the same boat as me and also pulling the same bullshit, but I got okay. picked on it for, I don't know. So anyways, all right. So here is why group projects in college are fucking stupid and shouldn't be a thing. So the university I went to, which is absolute fucking dog water, Tennessee Tech University, uh, they decided to do this thing called, I don't even know what the fuck it called. They got rid of it the next semester, which it was basically (laughs) the students taught the class. Oh, yeah, I'm not paying <laughs> dickwad at the front of the class, you know, my fucking tuition oh, yeah, for me quality. to teach the that's class. Really Absolutely the fuck not. So, anyways, it's Signals and Systems 2, which did not need to be taught by, if you're like, what the fuck did she just say? Absolutely, exactly. Students didn't need to be fucking uh-huh. teaching it because they had a dipshit for signals one i'm like (laughs) raging so hard about this because this is like ptsd for me that was the two worst classes i have ever like it was like oh i got screwed over with signals one that i got fucked over in signals two like i will rage you bring it up to me i will fucking rage about it so anyways signals two we all have to teach the class okay so we're all divided up into random ass groups it's it's just it, he just made a spreadsheet with all of our names yeah, did a okay. random number generator one through ten or what the fuck ever <laughs> how many chapters there were and we all got put in a random groups so i got put in a group with a bunch of dudes and i knew some of them they were cool um except for one guy and we're gonna call him dick face i don't like i don't know what to call him um let's call him um chad actually oh, no. no let's call him chad no because gregory's my dad's name don't <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna call him chad so so chad is a more chad. like if, if we could like roll back to uh high school times right <laughs> he would definitely be one of the popular kids right he'd be like in a he'd be a little clicky right so chad we 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 get told what our topic is right oh. and so i'm like you know i'm down for it like i'm like cool never fucking heard of it it's called sampling okay and it's how audio works right so sampling basically when you have a waveform that is a sound there it's points of the waveform that you mm-hmm. actually see because obviously when we talk 
organically in nature, it's a constant waveform. It's into infinity. You can't put that, you can't save that on a hard drive. So what sampling is, is that it takes points of that waveform yeah. and converts that into audio. And that's how it's saved on a hard drive, right? So more points that there is, the more accurate it is, but the more space it takes, right? You follow me? Okay. Okay, okay. So that's basically that what sampling sense. was. So sampling is that we had to take a waveform, like, yeah, I don't know, sense. a fucking, yeah. it could be a cosine, like it could be like a tangent, like it didn't matter. And then we had to do this transform to the waveform to get sampling points, okay? Now that I understand it, it's it's pretty basic and easy to understand. At the time, nobody in the fucking group okay. knew what it was. So we're sitting in the group, and I'm like, hey, like, let's... Uh, so we have to learn ourselves what sampling is, right. and then we have to come up with a curriculum, like a like a lesson plan and a quiz for the students. Like we have to give a presentation. Oh yeah, like the fucking full nine. So I'm like, okay, no problem. First step in my fucking God. brain is let's learn what sampling is, and then you can form a curriculum around what we're going to show the students what sampling is. The cat's playing with. Yeah, the cat's playing with the mouse toy. It scared the shit out of me. So, right. So, learn, like, step one, yeah. learn learn what we're sense. supposed to teach the students and then figure out a lesson plan to teach <laughs> the students once we learn what the thing is. Apparently, these idiots wanted to do it fucking backwards and wanted to come up with a lesson plan first before actually even understanding okay. yeah. how the fuck it worked. So, I'm sitting there like, okay, great. How can I, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't, I don't even understand. Like for three fucking class periods, Zoe, it was, oh, let's do this or, oh, let's do that. And I'm like, guys, does anybody know how to do it? And every single fucking time I asked that, nobody would answer oh me. God. Nobody would answer me. Nobody knew how to do it. Everybody was dodging around it. So I did not feel comfortable trying to come up with a lesson plan when I didn't even understand what the hell we were doing in the first place. So... It was like like three or four class periods go on. Okay, these are like hour and a half class Makes periods. Sense. Like it's yeah, a Tuesday, I'm Thursday following. class. So I keep going to these classes and I'm like, guys, like how do you do sampling? Like I don't even understand. Like I cannot contribute yeah. until, until I know what the fucking lesson plan is. Like until what are we doing? Nobody. Nobody could answer me. Nobody could figure out what it was. So finally one thing leads to another. Yeah. And I end up talking to this other kid which is the same guy from the first story. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, I, for, I forget what I coined him, but he is friends with Chad. So I go up to this kid and I'm like, man, does this yeah. make sense? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, understand yeah, what's going on. He's like, well, like, you know, it does, but you're not being, you know, uh, looked upon brightly specifically by Chad. And I was like, pourquoi? Excusez-moi? What? Oh, uh, I did it even better. So, okay, so, so, so I'm like, listen, listen, homie, listen, I'm not one to start drama. I, I, I promise you. I said, whatever you tell me, I said, I am not about to go run to him. I said, I just want to know what was said. Homie. He's like, I don't know. I was like, listen, I am not. I said, I'm not going to go run and be like, he told me. Like, I don't do that shit. Just tell me what he said because I'm going to make him eat shit. So he tells me that he thinks that I'm a slacker because I am not contributing. And specifically, this Chad boy says this about me, even though nobody yep. in the fucking group knows how to do it i don't fi uh, so i was like okay so i'm being i'm being singled out because i don't understand like no one understands it and even though i have asked every single fucking time we went to class Jesus. how do we do it nobody can answer me so i was like okay i got it he's like you're not gonna i was like nope i said no i said i don't need to i said i can do better than that so what do i do on wednesday no before class on thursday 
I have a huge block open that I usually go home for like two hours. But I was like, you know, no, 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 no. This is not what we're going to do. Wednesday night, I went home, downloaded a bunch of Signals and Systems books. Like I read the textbook that we have for the class and I could not understand sampling. I couldn't understand it. I was like, there's something missing here. There's like, I don't get it. So I was like, okay, other books. What does MIT got going on? Like, so I pulled like other curriculums and then I found the books that they were using and I pulled those books, downloaded them. To Thursday, I get all my books on my laptop. I go to the library and I spend two hours going through all of these books to the sampling mm-hmm. chapter and reading all of these books until I fucking figured it out what it was. And when I tell you, when I fucking figured it out, my book missed a huge step. Oh, garbage. So I was like, that's fucking nice. So I found this book beautifully explained it i understood oh, it perfectly sure, yeah. and there was a blank document in our workspace that we made on google for the group right for the you know the bullshit whatever the fuck was going on that was the script on how to explain it and mm-hmm. i opened it up and i just started typing the fuck away on how to do it because it was so empty i got about two-thirds the way through and that time, and then class yeah. started. And so, of course, you know, I'm all hoppity skippity, like, oh, this guy thinks I'm a fucking slacker and nobody in this fucking group knows uh-huh. how to do it. Okay. All right. You ready? So I go strolling on in and yeah. mm-hmm. I sit down and I'm, I'm ready. I'm waiting. So we're, he's, you know, Chad's all talking and he's like, yeah, like we got to come up. I, I don't even understand. Like, I couldn't even quote you. I don't, like, I literally would just blank. I have blanked because I was so traumatized from the whole experience. So he starts talking. He's like, then somebody needs to write the script on how to do sampling, to which I respond, oh, don't worry about that. I'm almost done with it. Everyone's head just whipped around and looked at me and went, what? And I went, yeah. I said, the book that we have doesn't explain it. We're shit. Then that's why I didn't understand it. So I found another book. I think it was the MIT book that I found. And I was like, yeah, I figured it out. And I'm almost, I was like, I almost, I said I would have finished it, but I ran out of time. But I was like, no, I totally Mm -hmm. got it. Fine. I got it. You want to know what then happens after this? We end up going to, there's another yeah. kid in the group Don't who's like a real brainiac. It. We'll just call him. We end up going to the brainiac's house and Chad shows up. I had to explain to the mm-hmm. both of them how to do sampling. Yeah. I wanted to fucking die. I was like, are you kidding me? So then like, of course, now I could contribute to how to do the lesson plan because I was like, oh, like if it's sampling, we need to talk about like frames per second. We can talk about like pixel rates. We we could talk about all that stuff because now I know that that is what pertains to sampling. Ah! So we get up there. We talk about it. Uh, everyone pretty much understands it because I broke it down so fucking well um, because that's my jam. I love just being like, here's, let me take something that's this level and just explain it to everybody. Uh, We sit down and another guy in the group looks at me. He goes, oh, by the way, I need you to explain sampling to me because I still don't understand it. Right. Yep, and that's why group projects are fucking stupid. So I never told that guy that I was told that he was talking shit about me. (gasps) I didn't do that. I was just like, no, I'm going to do you one better. And I did that. And uh, yeah. Wee! I fucking hate it here. Jesus Christ. I also hate it here yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. on your behalf. Because that's... Woo! Yep. That's awesome. Wh- that's why group projects suck. Um, Chads are the worst. Yeah. And I will just fucking... I'm so glad I'm done with college. And I'm so sorry that you're yeah. still there doing that shit. But here we are. It's fine. It's fine. <sighs> It'll be fine. Will it be fine? I don't know. Because I... Probably not. My blood pressure is already up from talking about that and having to relive that fucking uh-huh. nightmare. 
Yeah, no. Th- thinking about it, I'm just, ugh, group projects. Woo, that's the best teaching tool we have. Yep. I had, um, I don't know if I said it during the first story, I was in a partner project, so like me and another person. Mm-hmm. And the guy literally, I was like, can you go get help on this? He was like, yeah. And I asked him three times. I was like, yeah, like, can you go ask for help in the library? He's like, yeah, sure. The dude ends up fucking dropping the class and just fucking oh me God. over. Wow. Yeah. And- quality. Quality human beings right there. That's 10 out of fucking 10. Ooh. Yeah. So I don't know. It was really weird. Weird time. I don't like college. Um, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Get the fuck it's out. Fine. Yeah, finish. Get it's out. It's all fine. Yeah. Everything's great. Everything's great. But here we are. And, but you want to know what is great? Yeah. Spooky, what is it? Sp- 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 spooky stories. Hell yeah. Spoopy. Spoopy stories? Spooks ahoy. Oh, but we're doing aliens, so alien stories. Ooh. Aliens ahoy. Okay. I'm so excited. Are you, yes. Uh, Blake is also excited, so there's that. Good. He loves. I'm glad. <sighs> Nerd. Okay. Um, ah. So coin flip, what do you want? Yeah. Um, give me heads. You want heads? Because the greys all have big ass heads. Who? who? Oh, aliens. The greys. Yeah, the oh, greys oh. have big ass heads. Oh, no. Ooh. Ooh, nice catch. Heads, you're first. Okay, nice. Nice, 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 nice. Okay, got him want to go first. But before we start, uh, if you like what we're if you if you like what we blah, 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 blah. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> you messed me up. If you like what we're doing and you would like to keep supporting us, please be sure to check out patreon.com slash haunt her I barely know her. We have two tiers. We have a five dollar investigator tier where you get a shout out and close friends on Instagram. And then there's a seven dollar tier called investigator tier and you get all the things of the $5 tier, and then you get a sticker, and then you get shit. Additional videos, and then you get... No, I think that's it. Just stickers and... <laughs> stickers and videos. Stickers and, and more audio. Okay. Okay. Yeah, come join us. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, we're, we're, try- we're trying to get more out there, but... We, yeah, we, the summer has started, so we will. Yes, uh, and also there was, there was like three three things that we recorded that's in the shoot that we got to put out. Yes. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, that's all fun stuff. We also put fun, stupid stuff along with additional information. Hi, high strangest, high strangeness. That is what it's called. The things that yes. we cover, like paranormal, like shit that happens in life that we don't understand, like aliens, cryptids, all of that is called high strangeness. So anything that's not paranormal, alien, or cryptid, that still falls under high strangeness we cover on the bonus episodes in patreon mm-hmm. okay we'll put that out there figured out the name for it all right you're up go beautiful tell me zoe right. canolton what you have for me today yes so have you ever heard of the berkshire county incident absolutely not i i creeped in your notes for a second to number it because i was a little anal retentive i was like she didn't number it so i numbered your notes I and that's not yeah. that's that's all i saw was that it was berkshire county and then that's it Great. So one of, the way I'm going to do this is a little bit different than some of the other notes that I've done. Uh, this I actually found from a documentary series uh, called uh, Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yes. They rebooted the series in 2020, and it came out on July 1st, and I'm very happy about it. Okay. So a lot of the information I got is straight from that documentary. So please, if you want more information, go watch it, because it was really good. Ooh, so everything that I've got in here is 
a series of like personal stories and experiences from the es- the, rev- nah, the <laughs> residents of Berkshire <laughs> County, Massachusetts. All occurred on the night of September 1st, 1969. Wait. When? Yes. September 1st, 1969. 69. 69. Damn it, you beat me to it. My brain was like, numbers. <laughs> 60 nice. All right, go ahead. 1969. So each of these people, the first one I'm going to talk about is Jane Green. Now, Jane has lived in Great Barrington, which is a city in Berkshire, since she was 12 years old. Her family is really well known in that city because they own the oldest Rexall pharmacy in the Northeast. Yes. A what? A Rexall? Rexall pharmacy? I think it's just a brand. Oh, oh, oh okay. I, was, I yeah. just thought you sneezed, so I just wanted to make sure. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's capitalized, so I'm assuming it's a it's like a pharmacy chain. I don't It's know. a pronoun. That's all we know because it's capitalized. All right. <laughs> exactly. The second person is going to be Tom Reed. He was born in Queens in New York and actually moved to uh, Berkshire County with his mother and brother. And he was nine years old at the time that everything happens. The third person is Nancy Reed, Tom's mother. She actually decided to move her children to Berkshire County to give them the most ideal childhood she could because she was a single mom and didn't want to raise the kids in a city. She thought it would be better for them to grow up like in the country with like all the nice stuff. So she moved from like really nice place to like Hickville. Oh, okay. So yeah. Berkshire is Hicksville. The county. Yeah, basically. Okay, so I didn't know if this ha- was happening in the city or happening in, like, like White County of Tennessee kind of equivalent, but... Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah that's a good equivalent for it. That's Sparta, Tennessee, yeah. which is yeah. middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. All right. Correct. So, like, from, like, Memphis, like, big city, right, to, like, little bitty White County, Ugh. basically. Okay, yeah. yeah, why would you ever... Not great. So she'd purchased a small restaurant in the city called the Village Green that was located in the very middle of Sheffield, which was the city. It was a place that, like, most of the locals would come and gather and, like, hang out and shoot the shit. The next person we're going to talk about is Tom Warner. He was the youngest of seven children, and he and his family have lived in this city or in this county for, like, 100 years. So, like... Same house, too. So, like, 80-something years in the same house. Like, several generations, everybody lives there. Ew. I hope... Yeah. Ew. Okay, I hope uh, yeah. there's no, like, inbreeding cousin loving going on. Not not quite not quite that bad. Okay. That okay, bad. okay, okay, okay. Um, well, it's more was, Massachusetts, so... Yes, okay. exactly. He was 10 years old in 1969. And then the last person we're going to talk about is Melanie Kitchendorfer. Uh, She had lived in Berkshire County since 1957, and she was 12 years old during 1969. So are all these children that we're going to be talking about? Everybody except for Nancy and Jane Green are children. Jane and Nancy were both adults, but the others are kids. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start off with Jane Green. So it was like right after dusk, like the sun was like going down. It was dark outside, right? And Jane was driving with her friend, Mary DeGrace, who she's now passed. That's why she wasn't in the documentary. But they were driving from Stockbridge to Great Barrington, Massachusetts, when they saw a series of bright lights on the road ahead of them. So Jane looked at Mary and said, there must have been an accident. There's a lot of police cars up there. Look at all the lights. So, like, on the road. Not, like, hovering above, like, on the road. Like, in front of them on the road. Okay, okay. So as she got closer, she realized she couldn't keep driving toward it. The light was too bright. She couldn't see. 
So she pulled off on the side of the road and there was a car in front of her that did the same thing. So two cars were like, it's fucking bright and like pulled off. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. So Jane and Mary got out of the car so they could get a better look because, you know, that's what people do when they see like an accident, you know. Jesus, stay in your fucking car if you can't see. (laughs) All right. So what they saw changed their lives forever. Jane says, quote, I'll never forget it. Even if I get Alzheimer's, the only thing that'll be the only thing that sticks in my mind is what happened. That struck me. So I had to put that in there. Jesus, fuck, lady. Tell me what you saw. So both of the women reported seeing a huge object floating over the road in front of them. So not very far off the road, but it was over the road. Okay. The way she described it is that it was so large in her vision, she could not see either end of it to the right or the left. It was that big. What was the terrain? Like it was um, like a road with a bunch of trees on either side. Um, So it wasn't like open ground, but there were there were trees. So she couldn't see either direction, like how big it was, just that it was fucking big. Because it was going off into the trees. Yep. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fun and exciting. A good way to start. So she saw she also can't really describe what color it was, uh, only that it was metallic. So she couldn't define if it was metal like like gold silver copper some sort of metallic color but she couldn't tell what color within a few seconds of her seeing it she realized there's no windows on it and i can't hear anything so something that's like floating you would assume there's engines she couldn't hear anything silent it's fucking silent silent. yes yeah so within a few seconds the object lifted up moved slightly to the left lifted up even further, and went left over the mountains and disappeared. So it just, just took the fuck off. Yeah. And bye. Just took the fuck off. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. So around the same time that evening, we're going to switch over to Tom Warner. So Tom was over at his neighbor, uh, Jane Shaw's house. So he would go over to the Shaw's house just to spend time in the evening because the the two girls, Jane and uh, Bet- Debbie, yeah, Jane and Debbie, okay. uh, he would hang out with them and like color and draw. And he remembers it being incredibly hot that time of year, like just so warm outside, just weird for that time of year, like 90 degrees September, like hot. That is hot. That's too hot for Massachusetts. Yeah, in Massachusetts, hot. So as the sun had set, he went, he realized, okay, it's dark outside. So he went and looked out the window. As he's looking out the window, he hears a voice in his mind say, you need to go home now. He described that voice as a voice of authority, a voice of command, like one that he could not not obey. So like he had to. This is just because just to keep it straight in my mind, because I'm, yeah. I'm sure some listeners are also struggling. Is this yes. age of this person? This one of the child or one of the Ooh. adults? Yeah, this is one of the kids. He kids. was okay. 10. You know, okay, you don't have to get the I age. Say. I just want to I just want to uh, yeah. differentiate between child and adult. Yes. Okay. He was 10 years old. Okay. So he tells jane's older sister debbie i have to leave and when she's like what do you mean you have to leave what's wrong with you you usually stay over late and like hang out what's wrong he he says quote i don't know maybe god's talking to me from those clouds i don't know and then he runs out the front door and across the front yard tom describes this like happening as the fear is pushing him to run as fast as he can possibly run and he was running so fast he felt like he was flying Woo! jane however Followed him outside and watched him run in place. <gasps> he wasn't running. I just got he the was f- running in place. Fucking cold chills. I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> I told you it was scary. Ooh. So Tom realizes 
I'm not moving. So he panics, starts looking around him, looks to the left, sees a rock on the ground, and then kind of turns his body to the left. As he's still running in place, he sees a UFO drop to the side of the house right in front of him. Like, some sort of big metallic fucking thing. A beam of light comes from the craft, makes its way up and onto him, and as it touches him, his arms fly back behind him, and he described it as all of the air was sucked out of him. Oh! So Jane, who's watching this whole thing, sees him turn, sees his arms fly back, and then just kind of watches him for one second before he, the light, and the craft disappear. Immediately just... Gone. Boof? No, not not even like up in the air, just disappear just gone like she's left standing there like what the fuck just happened i don't understand so 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 the kid's gone yeah the kid's gone okay the kid's gone the craft's gone everything he's gone cool great so love it here that's fun and exciting that's that's just that's how that's what i love to hear so much all Mm -hmm. right yeah so now that is two people that are affected by some sort of something so elsewhere in town melanie kitschdorfer what a fucking last name Kirchdorf, I fuck up her name every time. I'm sorry. Uh, she she and her family went to the local Dairy Queen for some ice cream. Oh like my do, fucking! You know? Oh my fucking god! I gotta get a fucking Sunday. <laughs> okay, all right. Gotta get gotta get gotta get that ice cream cone. You know. So Melanie actually, she and her sister were pretty pissed off that they had to go with the family for family time and get ice cream because they were planning on going and hanging out with one of her older sister's friends who would steal cigarettes from her mom so they could go like share a cigarette together and be the cool, cool family. Be right? cool and edgy and smoke yeah, some cool and edgy. ciggies. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Share, share a cigarette. <laughs> so uh. they were very upset. Um, after the ice cream... The whole family got in the station wagon, and they went over to Lake Mansfield, which was like two miles from what was happening with Tom and Jane. Two miles. Okay, two miles. Is it... I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. I got to backtrack real quick to the... Is it just me, or is it like Mm -hmm. if somebody was like, do you want ice cream or cigarettes? I'd be like, ice cream! Like... Oh, hell yeah, I'd be like, ice cream. Okay, because in my head, I'm like, who the fuck wants cigarettes? I want ice cream. Okay. Seriously, like, looking cool or getting fat? (laughs) options <laughs> duh i was gonna say looking cool or getting in trouble which is looking cool is eating the ice cream <laughs> no man ice cream is always wins okay always wins. okay cool. all right go ahead so two two the, right. they go to a lake house yeah. two miles away from the child getting abducted correct just, just to a lake just to, to, to a lake, lake to a lake okay two two miles away yeah so her father who's driving backs into the parking lot like into a parking space and as he like settles in and they're all just chilling they're about to get out of the car and go like walk around the lake like people do or whatever a brilliant bright aura surrounds the car and her father looks up and all he says is holy shit (laughs) (laughs) this is beautiful her mom says oh joey and then the kids Col- start going, what? What's going on? Col- What's happening? Classic 1969. Oh, Joey just calls out the husband's name. What the fuck? Oh, shit. Yeah. So the kids start to freak the fuck out, right? The dad's like, we're going to chase it. That's a dad. Oh, right? my. Oh, I, I'm sorry. You just fucking <laughs> triggered me. You just flew me back to the time my dad had my brother and I in the car and there was a tornado and he's like, let's go chase it. And my mom... Lost her fucking mind. Okay, go ahead. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, 
You're good. Oh, I'm in this story. He says, let's go chase it. And the mom goes, sweetie, it's just a shooting star. Don't worry about it. And the kids are like, it, it, no, no, this is much worse than any of those things. Please, please don't chase it. Please, whatever you do, don't follow it. Leave it alone. So sweet little Melanie is freaking the fuck out as any normal person would. Correct. And not a grown man saying, let's chase it. Let's chase there's, it. There's a reason why uh, men have a lower <laughs> uh, um, life expectancy. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Ugh. So the children in the back seat are shaking. They're so scared. They're holding on to each other, freaking out, crying. Melanie's sister doesn't remember anything past this point. Melanie, on the other hand, remembers being levitated and then being on a ship. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. So Melanie remembers being laid down in like a T-pose, like on, on a platform. And there were other kids around her. She doesn't recognize or remember any of the kids. I think because she was so scared. She doesn't remember any of that. But she does remember seeing all of the children disappearing one by one by one until it was just her. Then she remembers waking up by the lake by herself, like completely by herself. And she had to walk home. Her family wasn't there. So like out of the car, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the car, just laying on the ground. No idea. Here we are. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's fun and exciting. So Tom, who I mentioned earlier, Warner, he also remembers the same thing Melanie does. So he remembers being on the ship, he remembers seeing the other kids, and he remembers Melanie. He remembers looking over and she was on his right-hand side, she was on a table, and he remembers just the look of fear on her face, which, which in yeah, mind is why she did, doesn't remember anything. So Tom was returned to the same property he left from, but on the other side. So he was taken from, say, the right hand of the house. He showed back up on the left side of the house, laying down, like, on his back, on the ground. And he remembers that same light over top of him, like, spotlighting him, right? So he's laying on the ground on his back, and he tries to move, and he can't. And then he hears his brother over his shoulder, like, behind his head, yelling, run, Tom, run. And he tries to move again, and he says, I can't, the light's holding me down. About a couple seconds after that, he hears that same voice in his mind that says, I'll be done in a minute. The fuck, why? And then a minute later, the light disappears. He's able to roll over and stand up. He turns around, watches the ship retract the light, and leave. I'll be done in a minute. They probably they're like, oh, he dropped this kid off and just fucked something up. We can't move. We gotta fix that real quick. Oh my Whoops. god. We gotta fix it. So Jane Shaw, who watched him disappear with the ship, says that he was gone for seven minutes. That was that was it. Seven minutes. Gross. Okay. I hate this. Gross. This this is mm-hmm. terrifying. Told you. So when Tom and Melanie met for the first time, it was after high school, and they felt an immediate connection to one another. So Tom recognized her, but Melanie was like, oh, I don't know you, but I feel like you're a brother to me. Never met. They ran in different circles. She was a couple of years older than him. So like they didn't have any friends in common. There was no reason for them to have known each other. They couldn't have made the story up being exactly the same, having never seen one another before. Right. So that's interesting. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Was... Yeah, I have an answer. Okay. The girl who was dumped at the lake... 
Yes, Melanie. What the fuck did her family say? She didn't say anything about her family. Bruh. Documentary, uh, so I don't know. Bruh, she, you, you were fucking taken out of the car. You're ch- like, all of a sudden, she's fucking gone. And then know. she just shows up at the house. like Yeah, walked home from the lake. That's like oh, a yeah. that's like a huge question I was having. Like, if I just yeah. out of the fucking car and then all of a sudden yeah, I just showed gone. up at the house later, it's like, where the fuck did you go? Not to Disneyland, I'll tell you that right now. Like, I'm upset. I don't know. I need answers. I need to know what the yeah. fuck was happening. Okay, cool. Yeah, see, I don't know. Because she, she says that her sister believes her. She didn't mention her parents. <gasps> that doesn't so make sense. Know. How the fuck does your child go from being in the car to all of a sudden they're at your doorstep? They're not in your car. Like, that's... Yeah, I don't know. It could also be that the parents just didn't want to admit that anything had happened. Par- or that they had already passed away and she wasn't able to ever talk to them about it i don't know this is stupid this is dumb it's pretty fucked up okay uh i'm gonna just i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna do this real quick just i'm so snapple so, i'm so sorry get it yep crickety crackety that's for you that's ams that's asmr with opening a can thanks okay that's beautiful okay cool all right go ahead so earlier that same afternoon tom reed was riding in a horse show in the city in great barrington so after he barely avoided a riding accident because the horse's saddle completely came uncinched and he was like holding on for dear life because, I mean, this is a little kid. He's like nine. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, bad. So after that happened, his mom, Nancy, was like, fuck this. We're done. Nope. We're not doing anything else today. So she gets the kids and her mom. So she has two sons, Tom and Matthew, and then her mother. They all get in the car and she drives to the diner that she owns, the Village Green. Yes. How much time has pass between the kids abduction and now this story so this is pre like in this moment this is earlier that same day okay so we're going back to the same day yes okay so this this is is like the afternoon instead of the nighttime okay so this is this is not the woman who was driving on the road no this is a different woman okay who owns the diner yes okay the woman that owns the diner there's a lot of names and a lot of people okay okay yeah, normally when you do an alien story, it's like one person. Correct. So I'm here, a little here. We are. I'm a little confused. Okay, so we're going back to the same yeah. day. Now we're on another mm-hmm. story to the yes. woman who bought the diner. Correct. Okay. So Nancy is her name. So she takes the kids and her mom and goes to the diner to get dinner and to shut the diner down for the day. As they leave the diner, it's like eight thirty, almost nine o'clock, and nine o'clock's like the kids' bedtime. So she was trying to take. She took a shortcut to try and get home sooner so she could go ahead and put her kids to bed. She goes over the Sheffield Bridge, which is a location about six miles south of Great Barrington. So as they're riding in the car, about to enter the covered bridge, Tom decides that he's going to share some like little fireball candy with his little brother, which the grandmother, Nancy's mom, turns around in the seat because they hear him say, hey, do you want some fireballs? And she's like, no, do not give that to him. He's too young. He'll choke. So that as she turns around to say this, she sees something lift up like on the banks of the Housatanic River. So like they're about to cross over a covered bridge. So they're about to enter into the covered bridge and she sees something come out of the fucking water. Oh, my God. Right. Woo. Woo. All right. So as they cross the bridge, they get to the other side and some reason like they see in front of them this sphere of white light that like rises up it's about two stories tall is how they describe it like pretty big tom 
describes it as it looks like it's firing rods of light is what he said. So there's that. Okay. So everybody was focused on what was in front of them, right? Like this big white light firing rods like, oh shit, what is this? But for some reason, Matthew turns and looks to the right hand side. So that prompts Tom to go, what the hell are you looking at? And he turns and he sees there is a second sphere of light, but this one is orange. And it's over on the right-hand side. So they have two of these fucking things next to them. Okay, so it's not... So now we're not even at a giant craft anymore. They're just spheres of light. It's lights. smaller. Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's smaller. It's still... It looks still metallic, but it's so bright they can't define what it is. So it just looks like a ball of light. Okay. Ooh, this one spooks me a little bit. So later years, Matthew described what he saw um, in that orange ball, kind of like it had an ocean inside it because it was rolling and turning, continuously moving. I don't know what that's about, but I don't like it. Never heard of that. Okay. (laughs) I don't like it. So Nancy is kind of driving really slowly, right? Um, Everything had gone unnaturally quiet. Like they couldn't hear animal sounds. They couldn't hear the trees. They couldn't hear anything. Silence right? They have all the windows down. It's like 90 fucking degrees outside. It's hot. Everything is quiet. But what they ab- should be able to hear something. What about uh, the, like, like was sound just like vacuumed out of there? Like there was no like, but like, I don't know. My question is because they hear the car. I don't know. Okay. That I don't know. Because when they described it, it was just everything was silent. There were no nature sounds or anything outside. So they could still probably have heard the car. I don't know. Okay. That's a good question. They felt, they all described feeling a like barometric pressure change, like how when you go underwater and everything kind of like just the feeling and the light disappeared, it was gone. So Nancy pulled the car over on the side of the road because they were like, what the fuck? What just happened? I don't understand. So Nancy then noticed everything is still silent. She notices a disc shaped object hovering in the sky that how she described it looks similar to a turtle shell. Um, where it had the little band around it and then like the big hump on the side and the smaller one on the bottom, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Kind of like that. They described it as probably being about 100 yards long. So pretty big, pretty big. Not what they had just seen. Very big. Suddenly the inside of the car lit up like it was day. The way Tom described it, he could see everything in sharp detail. So he could see the radio in the front seat. He could see the silhouette of his grandmother's hair. He could even see like the keys dangling from the ignition. Everything was silent, no nature sounds, just deafening silence. Then suddenly, all the sound rushed back in. They could hear the crickets, the katydids, the frogs very loudly. And that was the last thing they remembered for three hours. I got fucking cold chills all the way to my my toesies. Okay, so I'm going to assume by what he's describing is that they couldn't even hear the car either. That's what I'm assuming. Deafening silence makes it sound that way. Just so, like, they increase the pressure to where it's just no sound. Oh. Yeah. That's... <laughs> so, Whew. the next thing the family remembers, they were coming to in front of the drugstore in the Sheffield, like, city. Nancy was now in the passenger seat, and her mother was in the driver's seat, which was not the way it was when they were on the bridge. Correct. And the car was off. She had left the car on. So... Wait, so when they, they pu- pulled over... She had turned she put the, it in park. And turned it off? No, she left it on. Okay, so when they came mm-hmm. to three hours later, the car was off. Yes, and they were in front of the drugstore in the middle of town. 
Okay, I'm assuming you had like switched. Okay, so I'm assuming you're about to tell me how they know that three hours had passed. Yeah, because they looked at the clock on the dashboard. Ah, yeah. So they realized, oh no, it's it's been a minute. It's no longer nine o'clock. It's late. Right, because she was trying to get her kids to bed at nine mm-hmm. o'clock. Ah! Okay. Yep. Yep. So that that's gross and fun. So. Jane Green, our very first witness that I talked about, her and her friend Mary were driving down the road and saw the big thing, right? Right. She said that she was a non-believer in UFOs, flying saucers, all that sort of mess until that night. She recalls that after seeing the craft, she drove into Great Barrington and pulled over in front of her family's drugstore on Main Street. She went and she and like Mary got out of the car and were like, what in the fuck just happened? So they went up to her husband and like explained the whole thing. And he was convinced enough that he was like, sweetheart, you need to go talk to the radio station and tell them what happened because this might be happening to other people. So what does she do? She gets in her car. She drives over to the radio station. She meets with Tom Jay, the director for WSBS Radio. When she tells him what happened, he laughs and says, you and Mary must have been out drinking again. Rude. Yeah. Yep. A few hours later, he didn't think it was so funny when he had so many phone calls flooding in about people seeing things. Oh, things. So more. So people were people were being abducted and then everyone's seeing this craft fly around this county. Yes. Yes, they are. Yep. So that's fun. That's cool and exciting. Um, Also, I I forgot to mention the the bridge incident. Uh, They were one point two miles away from where they ended up also oh which is kind of that's important okay so that's fun so tom jay had a lot of people telling him the same thing had happened the first and the second so he started having a lot of people calling in telling him so he started hearing a lot of chatter on his ham radio also enough chatter he called the police department and said hey are you guys getting these kind of reports too And then he was so convinced something was happening, he went live on air and said, hey, if anybody's experiencing anything like this, please call in and tell us what's going on. Oh, so so now he's... Okay. Mm -hmm. Now he's interested. He received reports from Pittsfield, Stockbridge, Lenox, Ergmont, and (coughs) Sheffield, Massachusetts. And then he even got reports from Cannon, Connecticut. Ooh. So it's it's a long space that this kind of stuff is happening. In most of the cases, none of the people had ever heard of each other before the incident. So people were reporting in and they didn't have friends that were doing the same thing. It was all small, like, hey, uh, what's happening? Mm -hmm. So they didn't know each other. So it's not like it could have been everybody getting together and being like, hey, that'll be fun, which is gross. Mm. The police did have reports from September 1st, 1969. And let let me read the reports to you. It was a single page of reports kept by the department, and there were two entries. The first entry, a young woman was missing but returned home that evening. Second report, a neighbor called to complain about a resident refusing to clean up the beer cans on his porch. What the fuck? Those were the only reports entered for that day. No records of any UFO sightings or experiences, which actually surprised the current police chief, uh, William Walsh, because he heard it you know they contacted him for the documentary and he was like yeah let me look let me, let me see what's going on there wasn't anything so they didn't they thought everyone was just fucking high off their rocker and didn't write anything down correct the previous chief of police for uh, sheffield the city was santi golada 
he had plenty of reports about a silver disc-shaped object landing and taking off in all of the fields surrounding the town from the very top of Great Barrington all the way down into Connecticut. All the way. That whole stretch where people were, these people in the documentary were talking about this is what happened. He never wrote any of the reports down and didn't even give the people the time of day because he thought it was all fake. Bro! Didn't even investigate. Bro! Fuck them cops. What the fuck? Fuck that guy, at least. You have to fucking investigate, dude. Apparently not. What a penis. Ugh. Big, big dick wing. (laughs) Penis, penis. (laughs) Big penis, penis, you know what I mean? So the newspaper, there was actually a historian for this area that was like, this is a big deal. I wonder if there's ever anything like written in the newspaper. He went and searched the newspaper he spent a solid, like, three months of time going through the weeks following this event. Nothing was ever written. He reached out to the previous editor of that local paper and was like, hey, what the fuck? And the guy was like, oh, I thought it was all a bunch of malarkey, so I didn't write anything about it. What in the fuck is wrong with these people? Bro, it's so bad. bro, it's if so it's, bad. like, one person... Right. That's one. When you have people who have never, like, in different cities saying the same shit. Yeah. Go the fuck outside and look up in the sky. Like, you. It's it's great. It's so much fun. So, when all of the children, so remember, everybody but two of them are children. When they all returned to school, they were immediately ostracized from all the other kids. So, no one wanted to be friends with, like, the weird kids with their scary stories. And all the kids just pretty much learned to just not talk about it. Um, There's one, uh, Tom Reed, who refused to conform to any bullshit. He's like, get fucked. No, I'm going to talk about it. But everybody else was like, no, no, no. So Tom Warner, the guy that got like taken up, big bad, right? Mm -hmm. The kid that was like held down by the beam. Yes. He remembers it feeling like he had the Black Plague. Like, nobody wanted to be around him. Nobody wanted to be friendly with him. Like, he didn't... He describes it as, like, I didn't date girls. Like, nobody talked to me. He never thought that he would share his story about what happened until somebody reached out to him for this documentary. Like, he never planned on it. If they were all being ostracized... Yes. Oh, but they're being ostracized in different schools. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was like, yeah. well, like, shit, if one of them's being ostracized, then you should find the other one. But I'm thinking, like, Cookville High School, where, like, the whole county has to go to one school. So, yeah, never mind. Yeah, no. No. So, Melanie refused to ever talk about her experiences with anybody other than her sister and her boyfriend. And that was it. She didn't tell anybody else about it until this documentary. There were... The only people that she trusted were her boyfriend and her sister. Right. I mean, it just, it is what it is. Uh, Tom Reed, on the other hand, he was very open about his experiences and refused to shut up about it. Like, <laughs> very, very forward about it. Like, he's not the kind of person to bottle things up to deal with them. He's the kind of person to, like, talk about it, right? So he already felt like he was an outsider because his family moved from Queens to rural Massachusetts. So it was much easier for him to deal with being an outsider when he was already an outsider. So it didn't bother him as much. Um, when his mom talked about him, she actually said, as, as far as he is concerned, truth is truth and truth will come out every time. I was like, I like that. That's a good quote. Yeah. Ugh. He also, unfortunately, described being followed home every day by men in pickup trucks. They would tailgate his mother 
and one even followed them up the driveway. <gasps> Why? Because they were just like, you're spreading some heathen bullshit? Yeah, I'm assuming so. I don't really, I don't know. I don't know <sighs> what the, the reasoning for that would be. Um, he's actually been subjected to polygraph tests about the incident and has passed every single one. Good on oh, him. There's that. Yeah, there's that. He's very, he's still very outspoken and very forward about what happened and about talking about it and trying to get other people to come forward for support. So Nancy, Tom's mother, she had a really hard time also. Um, she learned not to speak about it more so than her son did because he was, he's the most outspoken out of anybody in this group of individuals. She, like, it was very easy for people to dismiss the children and their experiences because, I mean, they're, they're kids, Right. But when it's a grown-ass adult saying, this happened to me, people make fun of you. Like, adults make fun of you more, right? Yeah, it's a little different when it's adult adults on adults than kids on kids. Right. So, this is a little sketchy, and if nobody wants to hear it, just fast forward five minutes, or five seconds. Um, it got so bad that in her diner, there was a man that jumped on the table, exposed himself to her, Ew. and said, well, if you want to see something out of this world, Nancy, I'll show you something out of this world. Let me get my magnifying glass there, homeboy. I can't fucking see you, pee-pee. <laughs> out of this world, you mean fucking... Out of sight. Out of <laughs> yes, I do want to see oh, something out of this world. You're still not doing it for me, bro. You're still not showing me anything. Oh, Where is it? Just fucking oh. just re- grab and twist. That's all you got to do. Grab, twist. Okay. Gross. Yeah. Gross. Restomp, restomp the groin. If I, learned, if I learned anything in martial arts is re- <laughs> restomp the groin over every single time. Over every time. Okay, cool. Every single time. So they had to move away, which sucks, right? Like, that's pretty shitty. Like, you move to a place to think your kids are going to do better here and they're the opposite of doing better here. And then fucking UFOs, am I right? Because, like, that's not something that you plan for, right? Like, I'm going to move no. this place and, like, potentially meet some UFOs. Like, I don't know. Yeah, what's that's your, normal. So what's your, go get, a, go, get a, go get a lotto ticket, like, shit. Go get several lottery tickets. Always on Labor Day. So, Jane Green is the very first woman that I talked about driving down the road with her friend, right? So, she never spoke to her children about what happened to her that night. Like, she never mentioned seeing anything. Like, she told her husband but never her kids. So when the documentary started, like at the beginning of filming, they contacted her and several other people, right? Right. She called, she agreed to do it. She called her son and was like, hey, I got to tell you. So September 1st, 1969, something happened. And then she told him the whole story or started to, and her son interrupts her and says, mom, I saw the same thing that night. He wasn't anywhere near her. He was at home. What? Yeah. So he saw it. He just never told anybody. So when she said, what do you, what, what? You never told me. He goes, mom, you never told me either. I thought you would think I was crazy. Eh. Okay, cool. That's, uh, that's gross and interesting. So with the recent release of Project Blue Book, that's actually what started this whole documentary. That's what started everybody involved in this documentary feeling comfortable enough to talk about it. Because they all felt, nobody's going to believe me. They're going to think I'm crazy. But then Air Force fighter pilots are coming out saying, yeah, that was a fucking UFO. I don't know what that was. So they kind of feel like there's going to be some credence to their stories now. Mm -hmm. So everybody in this documentary shared 
their personal experiences with what happened in the hopes of other people feeling comfortable enough to come forward, talk about what happened, and heal together. Oh, that's so nice. Isn't it? That's a community bonding over alien abductions. Yeah. Over some fucked up shit. (laughs) Shared trauma. The trauma. (laughs) There's enough to go around. Yeah. Yikes. So... My last thing is if you have any information or if you were a witness or know somebody that was a witness to what happened at Berkshire in Berkshire County on September 1st, 1969, and you want to share your story, please feel free to, number one, give it to us. But number two, (coughs) go to unsolved.com if you're interested in submitting a story to them. That's fucked up. I can't believe you just said that. Uh, No, I have no shame. Okay. 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 And there we are. I That's uh, the Berkshire County incident. I can't believe you just said <laughs> <laughs> It is what it is. Okay. Wow, that was a story. Um, I'm glad you mm-hmm. went first. That was wild. Because mine's not as wild. Mine's more informational than anything. Hey, I'm down. Gimme. Okay. Um, whoa. It's, we got like a mid-roll. We're an hour. Oh, yeah. We're like an hour in. We got to do a mid-roll. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you took forever. Jesus. Okay. Sorry, everybody. Uh, all right, so. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, go to bed. Have you ever wondered that who would win in a fight between a Mustang and a dinosaur? Have the black-eyed peas been knocking at your door? Is the flying space rave keeping you up at night? And why does everything have red eyes? And who the hell is Tommy Wiseau? All this and more on the Salty Speculation podcast. And I'm Nick. I'm the one that does all the work. I'm Jay. As a Scotsman, I cover the cultural diversity aspect of the show. New episodes every week. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Salty Speculation Podcast. This is a mid-roll of our podcast, and this is this is this at this point, this is the time that we give shout-outs to our Patreon members, and we have two, two again, count it two, because we always get one yes. and then another one, which is so fucking weird. Every time. Patreon members, so we have to give shout-outs. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. Uh, yeah. our first patron, Patreon member is, he wants to be called out as the biggest of the bears. Oh. Um. Oh. We're gonna have a talk about that, uh, cause I know him. Yes. Uh, and then the, uh, second person is Christine. So thank you both for subscribing. They subscribe to the, um. Medium tier. Medium tier, thank you. Uh, they no, both subscribe to the medium tier, so they have access to... The things. All the things. All the things. And they're getting our newest, biggest, greatest 4x4 stickers that we bought. And I don't have envelopes big enough for them. So I have to go to Walmart (laughs) to buy the new envelopes to fit in the stickers. We didn't consider that pre-buying the stickers. No. they're beautiful stickers. They're bigger. Right. Because I bought like a test test packet of like 12. And then we went through the 12. And then I was like, oh, bigger stickers because we have money now. Because that's what happens when we get more members is that we get nicer things to send out to you guys. Um, Yeah. I'd like to send out mugs. That would be cool. Anyways. That'd be so nice. That'd be so nice. So anyways, okay. So if uh, if you like what we do and like you don't, if you, you know, monetary, you know, is an issue. We, totally understandable. Pandemic 2020. Um, You can, if you're on iTunes, listen to us. Be sure to rate and review. Leave us a thing on there that helps out tremendously more than anything. If you are on Spotify, please be sure to smash that follow button. And anywhere else you listen to us, please be sure to do the thing. Do the thing. Because if you like what we do, rate and review. And if we don't like what we do, just leave constructive Drink. feedback. Yeah. Or or take take a nap. Eat some food. <laughs> Get us fucking Snickers bar. Okay. So those are our two patron members. And then I, Thanks. Katie Groves, will be talking yeah. about my topic. 
Tell me. Blow me away. Okay. Me. So this is this is more informational. This is uh, more factual. Like, it's not more scary. It's more like this guy who did the thing was, like, the first. And, the, like, he was really, like, an intellectual. And, like, it was, like, a whole thing. Okay. So this is called the Kenneth Arnold UFO sighting. Ooh. This historically is, like... The big shebang. This is probably something that we actually should have covered first. Oops. Actually, because it's like the first, the first historically widespread UFO sighting mm. in the U.S. post World War II. So like when, gotcha. like kind of, so kind of like modern day sighting publicized yeah. dealio kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is more informational than it is than it is. Um, scary so i guess we started on a scary note we'll end on a cool note or fun fun fact notes there's like fun facts in this which is pretty cool okay so kenneth arnold is a human being as you can assume um he he yes he had a he had a ufo sighting so we're going to talk about him a little bit first before the sighting um so i'm gonna butcher all of these fucking names and now i still have a complex on pronouncing things wrong because i pronounce the river of what is it called river of thames thames yeah, the Thames River. That makes no fucking sense to me. Okay. Um, I'm sick of shit not sounding phonetically correct. Yeah, it is what it is. Okay. That's how it goes. So Arnold was born in Sebeka, Minnesota, but ended up growing yeah. up in Montana. Uh, he went to the University of Minnesota. A? A. The, I, I fucking wrote that what? in my notes. <gasps> That's the best. Because <laughs> I knew you were going to fucking say it. <laughs> and he <laughs> and he played foosball. Okay. He, he played what? Foosball. Fo- foosball. Football. You never seen Waterboy, uh, the uh, Adam Sandler movie? Well, yeah, but that's football, not foosball. His mom calls. You've been playing like playing that foosball, boy. Oh. She calls it foosball. It's really funny. Anyways, I put that on my notes because I might have been a little bit. We had apparently. Side note: We're gonna sidetrack for a second because we're we're on. Yeah, some, get it. Okay. Uh, apparently, there was a solar flare, like <gasps> like like. When we were recording this on what is what is today, uh, Thursday, May thirteenth. So like between yes. like the, like the twelfth and eleventh and the thirteenth, we've had a solar flare, which was oh. really fucking bad and disrupted our magnetic uh, field around the Earth. And oh. apparently, when that happens, a lot of people get headaches and are really tired. Oh, I was one of those people, so I was very much so out of it because I was like, why the fuck do I have such a headache? And then I went on TikTok and they're like, oh yeah, like our magnetic thing is at a seven and 10 is apocalyptic level. So I was like, that's nice. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. No, like no one talks about that. Like we almost just fucking like perished as a planet. So anyways, uh, I had a headache when I wrote this, wrote like half of this. So uh, he started a company called Great Western Control Supply in Oh, fuck. Uh, Boise, Idaho? Boise. Boise, Idaho. See, yeah. why the fuck is the E pronounced and not a little ch- I, over it? I don't know. I don't know. So he founded this company in 1940. Uh, they sold fire suppression systems, and this caused him to travel all around the Pacific Northwest. One of his skills as like a part-time deal was he liked to pilot plane fly do the little vroom vroom in the air uh he was vroom vroom in the air he was very experienced at it and he had over nine thousand hours at flying and he contributed most of that to search and rescue efforts he also tried to run as governor of idaho and lost in 1962 Ah, 
So, so Barino. the the painting that I'm trying to paint with this guy is that he's actually yeah. not a crazy person and he's kind of an mm. intellectual, like. Oh, I see. I right, see. Right. So, like, a reputable, credible, intelligent human being. Okay. Right. Painting, painting I'm trying to paint, but I, I think I, I painted I got it. You. Okay. So, this, this magical UFO sighting day happened on Ooh. June 24th, 1947. Okay. Arnold was leaving Idaho and headed to Washington for an air show in his Call Air A2. So kind of like a smaller, definitely a smaller plane, obviously. He, Ooh, airplane. Yes. Yeah, so he traveled, I guess, by car or some mm-hmm. air um, ground means to Washington from Idaho. So he lived in Idaho. Okay. Idaho. Utah. Um, uh, and then he was flying out of Chehalis, Washington and yeah. flying to... Yakima, Washington. Dope. So that was his first first plane of attack. And then he was flying from Yakima, Washington to mm-hmm. somewhere in Oregon. We're gonna get there in a second. I lost it in my notes. Okay, so okay. so the first part is I'm I'm probably saying it wrong and I'm so terribly sorry. I can't Google we can't Google all these words. Um Jahalis, Washington to Yakima, Washington. Okay. So this means that he was basically flying in between the two mountains. Mount Adams and Mount Rainier. Okay. Okay. Did I say that right? Okay. Rainier? I, I don't know. Sure. It's not Rainier. It's Rainier. So, because um, someone else spelled it wrong. Are you in my notes? Yeah. <laughs> I just got there so I can follow and make sure that I'm paying attention. Rude. Okay. So, as he's as he's flying along, right, uh, he's flying over what is Mineral Washington, uh, okay. which is where Mount Rainier kind of is. He did a little bit of exploring for a little bit. Apparently, a Marine Corps uh, C-46 airplane, which is a transport transport airplane, had recently gone down in this area. And mm. there was a $5,000 reward for finding the wreckage. And today's... That, that is hella money that, uh, in 47. That's about 60 grand. Hella money. Yes, yeah, so it was about sixty grand to find it. So of course he's like, I'm gonna go fucking look on, like look for it on the way, yeah, right? So for sure. he doesn't he doesn't find it. He spends a couple hours looking for it, doesn't find it. So around three p.m. in the afternoon, he proceeds on his way to Yakima. Okay. At this point, he sees a flash of light that kind of like you kind of like you describe like it hits the window at such a right a- right angle that it blinds you almost. Yeah. He describes it as if somebody started an arc of light in front of his eyes, though it had a blue tinge Gross. to it. Yeah. So very bright, Gross. just in his face. Uh. So he's like, was that an airplane? What the hell was that? So he was so afraid that he was super close to another plane. So he starts immediately looking around like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. There was an, There was only one other plane off in the distance, a DC-4 which is a giant motherfucker plane. And yeah. it was flying about 15 miles from him to his right, but behind him. Okay. And it did not have any flashing lights. He also thought it could have been geese, but he was like, that's, sure. that's not right. So he's like, I don't understand what Lightning that. Lightning geese. Right. So he then said the flash came again, but this time he could actually pinpoint where the flashing was coming from. And it was nine flashes of light in rapid succession gross so he looks over and arnold describes the flying objects in a formation that are diagonally stepped down so okay depending on who you ask they were either in a v formation or they're in a straight line formation and they're just kind of like stair steps so i got this this story was kind of like butchered due to the internet so this is kind of 
Right, as we are. Uh, so in, in a very uniformed, we'll just call it in a uniformed formation. Yeah. And he stretched, and the they, they all nine of them, stretched out over what he thought was a span of five miles. So they weren't like that's, necessarily close that's to- That's a lot. Yeah, so they were kind of spread out. So this is this is where it gets mathy, okay? So because he's he's intellectual, so it wasn't really necessarily scary. So he just starts like doing all the calculations because he's like, "What the hell is that?" Because it's like 1947, yeah. like this shit shouldn't be happening. They were about 25 th- to thir- yeah, 25 to 30 miles away from him, and he said that they were flying at about 10,000 feet altitude, and he was at 9,200. So they were slightly okay. above him. Uh, the objects zigzagged back and forth and were occasionally flipping and banking, which Arnold described as tail of a Chinese kite. So if you can imagine like a kite, how the mm. how the kind of like tail just kind of like. Yeah. Like he just says they were just kind of just floppy. Yeah, yeah. Just didn't make sense how they were moving. He noted that they were all moving in unison, though, and not breaking formation, even though that they were constantly darting around. So whatever one of them was doing, it was still yeah. in formation. And they were kind of doing all at the same time. He noted that they were thin, crescent-shaped, so not completely circular as we've all kind of come to imagine UFOs. And they didn't have that trademark tail that jetliners have when they fly. Right. You you know, the... the, 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 The trail of gas that's turning all the freaking frogs gay, right? Yeah, the the chemtrail. The chemtrail. Yes, thank you. That's Yes, okay. So... He said that the aircrafts, at the time, he said it had been smaller than a DC-4 airliner. Mm. But later, he sat down with some other people, and they were like, no, it was large. They had to have been larger than a DC-4 airliner, which is 94 feet long and 118 feet wide. The The DC-4 airliners, they were the big-ass planes that had the four propellers. So like two on right. each side. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So like the like the bomber s type looking planes from like World yeah. War Two. At first he thought they were commercial jets, and then he was like, "There's no way. Like it has to be military aircraft. Like there's no like shiny, like sleek looking like that. There's no way. Like it doesn't look like anything that he recognized." However, later the military confirmed that they had no scheduled flights in the area. Awesome. Which was really weird because like. During this case, the military was completely open to being like, oh, yeah, like, we have no idea what it was. It wasn't us. And Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Sorry, my cat's having zoomies in the background. I don't know what his fucking... <laughs> he is. He's spicy. Hey, hey, dickhead, can you not call up my couch? He doesn't give a shit. I uh, know. That's why I got the couch that I did. He can't tear it up. So <laughs> he did, at being an intellectual, incredible person that he is, he did try to debunk it. He... um. Mm. He tried uh, rocking his plane to see if it was like a mirage or like just something was Gross. a light, just didn't make sense in his brain. Uh, he tried rolling down his window at one point. So he was just, Sir? St- yeah, just straight looking no. out, looking out the no. window. And he even like tried, not. tried taking off his glasses. You're flying a plane. Yeah. So, he, well, I mean, no. you don't need your glasses immediately. So he, he so he, he did try to debunk it as like if he was seeing something and it, he clearly was not. Yeah. So then as, as he's just flying in the air, you can't do anything other than just stare at the ship. He starts to calculate the speed of the aircraft. So so he, he is flying from west to east. Yeah. And these aircrafts are flying north south. So they're they're perpendicular, okay? 
gotcha. when he starts to calculate the speed of the aircraft, he turns his plane and actually starts to fly parallel with them. So he turns gotcha. himself southward for a little bit to try and figure this out. He, so he, what he does is he counts the time it takes for them to travel from Mount Rainier to Mount Adams, which is about 50 miles. So he kind of, he got numbers and he wrote them down and he calculated it later when he landed. So about 50 miles in between the two mountains and the objects managed to do it in about a minute and 45 seconds. Gotcha. That number is also butchered on the internet. So it was obviously a short enough time, like a minute or two minutes-ish. So by doing that calculations, the vehicles were traveling at 1,700 miles per hour, which the fastest aircrafts at the time could only travel a third of that speed. Which, which, fun fact, the speed of sound is 776.3 miles per hour. So it was traveling more than twice the speed of sound and not leaving a trail. No. Yep. Absolutely not. As, as... Arnold is seeing this, a prospector by the name of Fred Johnson at Mount Adams is also seeing, but he says, six UFOs at the same exact time that Arnold said that he's seeing the nine. Awesome. Yes. So he, so this prospector by the name of Fred Johnson says that he sees these six objects through a telescope. And he said, he describes the aircrafts as they were round, but tapered sharply to a point at the head, making it more oval shaped. So they kind of have okay. different numbers and then different descriptions. But damn cat, <laughs> Jesus. Um, so they they had different description, but they're both seeing something at the same time around three p.m. So okay, like yeah. like they're they have to be seeing somewhat of the same thing. Makes sense. The the but the weirdest thing for Johnson is that the objects in the area were throwing off his com- compass. It would not do what it was supposed to do. Which was really weird. So when Johnson came forward, uh, he was deemed as a credible source. Like, he was like, okay, this person obviously isn't crazy. Like, he's not some, like, wild, wild man. Uh, Wild man. Right. He was deemed as a reputable person. And he was the first case to be marked unexplained as a UFO encounter in the Project Blue Book. (gasps) Yes. So Project Blue Book. Which so, they're actually releasing another series of stuff oh, this year. Oh, I'm yeah, you told excited. me. We're going to we're gonna have to Ooh. do a Patreon episode and yes, delve into that. Okay. So when so like I said, so as Arnold was doing all these uh, calculations of speed, size, all that just the jam, um, you're, you're probably saying in your head, how can you calculate that stuff? You can't know how something big is when you have nothing to compare it to right because that's how we that's how we know like oh put a banana next to it so we know how big it is um scale there are things in aviation to where you can get around that and there are tools that you can use to get around that so right i didn't know that was a thing yes so there there are tools that you can use to like calculate and do do like distance and like size of objects in the sky when you have no reference point to say like oh if that's 50 feet then that has to be 120 feet kind of thing so arnold carry on so he's just like i don't know what the fuck so he just he goes on to his way to the landing strip in uh yakima washington Mm -hmm. where he tells his friends there and the staffs there because he's a frequent flyer all the shit he sees like tells everybody yes tells everybody what he saw um 
just kind of reports it to the people and then he fuels up his plane and goes on his merry way to the actual air show in Pendleton, Oregon. That's where the air show is. So that's where he was actually headed in the first place. When he told somebody in Yakima what was happening, that person phoned ahead to Pendleton saying, this guy just saw this shit. Of course, because he's a credible person was like, this guy saw something which means he saw something and you need yeah. to get him. So he Ooh. ended up, when he gets there, in the East Oregonian and he reports the, and then reports to this office his story. I remember that name, Oregonian. I'd say, I think I said Oregonian, but either way, it makes me laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a word. So Arnold kind of uses the words as unidentifiable and flying objects, and he definitely uses the description of like a saucer if you skip it across the water is how he described that these objects were flying through the air. Now, being the person Arnold was, he was actually believed for the most part of what he was saying. Like I said, he's a credible person. very credible human. Yes, so he's intelligent. He's coming at it at a very intellectual manner. Like, let's measure it. Let's figure it out. Like, let's let's figure it out. This, fun fact number one, what stemmed the term flying saucer? Yo! Yes. Yes. Okay, so fun fact number one. this is this this event this number this very first event of a ufo sighting is where we get the term flying saucer when we refer to ufos okay during his first couple of interviews he he said the words saucer Mm. disc and pie pan i mean that's a good descriptor for it though it kind of like in my head pie pan works yeah so like he's just trying to use what he knows um as things so like i said he he said that it was kind of like a saucer that if you just took a plate right and just like threw Mm. it out it would kind of like skip and like yeah you know jiggle around right but the press quoted that he called them flying saucers which he never did in the interview so even one headline coined it as flying pie pans (gasps) i would like flying pie pan way better oh my god flying saucers shut up so okay, so during so because of the hype of all of this and reporters trying to like throw in big big fancy words to like over glorify the situation, like bring attention to like their headline, right? Uh, they twisted his words into what we know now today as flying saucers, and that's where that huh. term comes from. That's How, pretty cool. However, this uh, greatly annoyed Arnold and that they quoted him saying flying oh. saucers, and he was like. No, I never said that. And because he's like an intellectual, he wouldn't say something like, oh, flying saucers. Uh, he he also never had a moment of peace after he told that story. Oh, God, I bet he didn't. So by him being like, yeah, man, like I saw what I saw. I know what I saw. It, it is what it is. And then all these people being like, oh, you saw. Oh, let me get into it. Okay, so. Uh, a, a lot of people called him nuts, right? But he like him being him, he's just like, no, like it doesn't make sense. Like I saw, like so that, and then people also took him very seriously and one hundred percent believed him that he saw something in the sky. Because like when he got to where he was going and he told his buddies, they didn't call him nuts, they didn't call him crazy. They were like, "Yeah, like let's talk about it." Like one hundred percent, let's figure it out. Like let's figure it out. And a ben- a, actually, a bunch of people wrote to him to try and figure out, like, "Hey, like." Let's figure out this together, and which was really cool. But but the more cool, yeah. the more general consensus with the general populace was, you're crazy. You're not. A pastor down in Texas that read the article. Oh, no. Yeah, I knew. I knew as soon as I said pastor in Texas, you'd be like, oh no. 
said that the objects were the harbingers harbingers of doomsday and that he was prepping his congregation for the end of the world oh no end of the world's coming we got flying pie pans coming for us <laughs> they gonna get us they gonna feed us food and give us the beat us <laughs> i'm so upset i'm so upset <laughs> Have you never seen that fella? Yes! Um, <laughs> okay, good. Diabetes! <laughs> oh, I can't breathe. Mm. <laughs> okay, I make those jokes to my mom, who's had diabetes since... That's fucking rude. Why would you make oh. those jokes to her? I'm almost 30. She's had it almost 30 years. Um, I was just so sweet, I gave her diabetes. Um, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> No, my mom had uh, gestational diabetes with me, um, and then after she gave birth, she just developed it. So. Nice. That's that's yeah. reason number yeah. 271. I am never having children. Awesome. Yep. Okay. My mom's in good spirits about it. Oh, that's there nice. Uh, she, she's fine. doing well. I think she's doing pretty she's, well. She's a sweet lady. She okay. has all of her toes, so I think she's doing pretty well. Yeah. No, she's not even on insulin. She knows how to take care of herself. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so sorry if anybody is experiencing, like, I know it's yes. really, that, that didn't mean to come across yeah. as insensitive, but like. Not at all. No. no. I, I use humor to deal with things yes it's, i'm trying because i'm now uncomfortable because you make <laughs> jokes so i'm trying to crack a jokes and that came across super <laughs> insensitive now i'm a fucking asshole again anyways no you're not you're moving fine. no moving right along all right so another woman that saw him he's he's still in hmm? that town that i lost the name of it where the fuck is he uh Pen- pendleton okay so he's That's he's still in name. yes he's still in pendleton so like uh the he's he saw it let me let me get these dates right he saw it on the 24th, uh, basically had the interview on the 25th, and by the 27th, yes. it is all over the U.S. Yowzer. Yes. Okay. So very, very quickly, this story took the fuck off over the United States. Another woman, while he was still in town, claimed that he was the man who saw the men from Mars and just like ran up to him hysterical and sobbing. Wow. Because uh, that one thing came out. Um, war of the oh. war of the worlds, and then also there was like this whole fascination of at the time of like extraterrestrial being on Mars. I got it. Yeah, so I'm following. you covered that in the Roswell incident I about did. about yes, the war, war of the worlds, the worlds coming over the radio station. Okay, so yeah, that also was right before this had happened. Gotcha. Da, 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 da. So he he just proposed telling people what he saw, mm-hmm. and then like that was just it. Like like it didn't make sense. It wasn't military, like it wasn't anything that he like saw. So like logical mm-hmm. sense says, if you don't know what it is, and it's not military, it has to be right. extraterrestrial. Like it can't be from here, right? So because of all the hysteria, because he he made a quote, he's like, his wife back in Idaho heard about his retelling the story before he even got back to Idaho. So he was like, this is bullshit. I'm actually getting. Like, actually, at this point, he's getting the Air Force and the FBI involved because he couldn't stand the hysteria right. of it. So, after this June 26th event, right? Yeah. More reports than ever start to pour in. 853 reports of flying saucers were called in Jesus. during the year of 1947. So, this is this is fun fact number two. Uh, even just a few weeks later, a United States a United Airlines crew reported mm. seeing, again, nine disks 
like objects over Idaho. So like these objects kept being seen in the area. Yeah. This phenomenon of like once one thing happens, more reports come yeah. more reports compiling in. Uh this phenomenon would be later called the Will Smith effect. Nuh-uh. Yes. So uh Will Smith, the actor, like that's who I am referring to. Yeah. This wasn't observed until like uh the early two thousands. In 1996, Independence Day was released. 1997, Men in Black was also released. Two alien-based movies, which I just, I immediately had an exponential crisis as soon as I was like, that's when those fucking movies were released. (laughs) We're old. Are you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like having a fucking uh, quarter-life crisis over here. So basically what the Will Smith effect is, and I linked it in my notes if you want to like actually read the article. Um, Anytime in pop culture, there was a success successful media whatever whatever yeah um involving extraterrestrial themes the amount of ufo sightings increase so i took a snapshot of this graph of number of ufo sightings versus the year versus what came out and you can clearly see like if there was something that um extraterrestrial came out like there was a lot of sightings so like the abyss i watched that movie it was really good Four two hundred fifty eight sightings were s- reported in the year of nineteen eighty nine. The Jesus. next the next year two thousand nine or excuse me the next year two hundred nine. Next year one hundred seventeen, and then like it kind of goes down a little bit, and then it kind of fluctuates a little bit. But then in nineteen ninety three, uh, the X Files runs for season nine, and then the numbers jump up in nineteen ninety three to five hundred and fifty eight. And then they kind of like dwindle wow. back down a little bit. And then Independence came out. Independence Day and Mars Attacks came out in the same year in 1996. And there was 609 reportings. Jesus. Yes. So, and then and then it kind of slowly starts to kind of like go back down. So, like, obviously it causes like a hysteria of like, you know, people want to believe kind of thing. So. I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. So, it's just yeah. kind of like a. Like, is it like are people actually seeing shit? Um, I think I read a statistic that of all of the cases in the Project Blue Book, I mm-hmm. think it was like only six six percent of all of the cases. There was like twelve thousand in there. Only six percent were actually deemed they had no idea what it was. Like, literally couldn't. Oh, wow. Like, literally couldn't even say like, oh, it was like your imagination. Like, they had zero explanation. Yowzers, okay. So Arnold began his campaign that unless it unless it had to have been military, you know, aircraft, it it was none other than extraterrestrial. Like if it wasn't them, it had to have come from somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Two weeks later, the Roswell incident occurred. Ah. Uh, the the this what is theorized is that this UFO sighting might have also been the fuel into the Roswell incident. Uh, people were already crazed and they wanted to see what they wanted to see. However, you know, we, we covered that, like, half of it. Yeah. So, like, it's a little yeah, sketchy. Yeah. It's a little sketchy. So, um, could could be also um, crazed hysteria matched with there was actually something going on. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't know about you. I also don't walk around staring up at the sky all the time. God, no. So, Absolutely not. Right. So, I don't know if it's kind of like one of those things, like, it happens more often than we think, but it takes these movies for us to just look up at the sky more often. Potentially. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I also think that when we dropped the bomb in 
New Mexico for World War II that actually mm-hmm. was a signal for uh, UFOs to come to Earth. No. Because if, if it was kind of right about the same time we started seeing shit, just FYI. That was like a whole, you know the guy, you sent me the meme, the guy where he's like, aliens. It's aliens. Yeah, that's, yeah, that my, my mom always had that shit on because he also loves him, which I'm like, oh my God. That's concerning. Yeah, well, she's Italian, so she just thinks that grecians because he's like greek are attractive anyways yeah so she added on and that's like a theory that they throw around is that the atomic bomb that they tested in in new mexico was kind of like Mm -hmm. a like a red flag hey here's life and it brought a bunch of other extraterrestrial people here interesting fun fact i'll probably cover that at some time yeah that'd be kind of fun i'd be down for that yeah okay so last point um so when Arnold does go meet with military FBI, you know, the big, you know, big brother. Uh, they interviewed Arnold and they deemed him as a credible source because of his character and integrity. So as I've been saying this whole time, even yeah. even they acknowledged, OK, this guy obviously came came at this with a point of intelligence. Yeah. Though later they said that what Arnold saw was just merely a mirage. Oh, Yep, the prospect got away with it. They said that what he saw was unexplainable, but what Arnold saw was explainable and was a mirage. I don't think so. No. So, so, so uh, no, I just, I don't think so. Uh, apparently, I saw on one website that Arnold saw the saucers again, but everywhere else I read it was like, no, he did not. Uh, he right. he did buy a $150 camera with a telescope lens the next time that he did see anything, but okay, I don't think he ever did because nothing else you know, was that was that that was the end of every article. Well, and that's that. That is that is um, Kenneth Arnold and where we get our flying saucers. Interesting. I still prefer flying pie pan, but <sighs> it is what it is. No. To each their own. No, it's sky discus. It's flying know. saucers. Flying discus. That's I like that one better. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, that's yeah. very good. I thought, very good. yeah, not not as scary as yours. Um. That's okay. Just information. I just learned about mine today and lost my shit and found <laughs> out about it. So it's fine. It is what it is. I, I always feel like I'm back in high school again where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we have to record today. Let's slam out mm-hmm. some notes real quick. And yep. here we are. It's a, oh, no, my uh, procrastination's acting up. Whoops. Oops. Yeah, here we are. Okay. So we're at like an hour and 38 minutes, but it's going sh- to be shorter when I edit it. So here we are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We are we done? Yeah. Thanks everybody for coming to our alien talk. That was it was quite enjoyable. We had a good time. It was fun. I'm tired. Yeah. Oh my god, it's it's ten twenty. Okay. So uh if you if you want to check us out some more, you can head on over to www. No, it's not is it www. I think so. I think so. I have no idea. No, it's not HTTPS. It's only H because someone didn't put secure socket layer on there. Blake, I'm looking at you. Um, wow, rude. And tell me, just fucking call him out. I'm calling him out. Uh, I, I'm Jesus. I'm studying security now. Um, <laughs> her, I barely know her. dot com. If you have a story, be sure to head over to the contact page and you can drop in a little note in there and. Um, no, email us if you have a story, or you could do it in there. I don't give a shit. Also, if you want to release. Blake just said fuck you um uh, if you also want to leave like anonymous feedback we've also had some people like pop on there and be like hey like you pronounced it right or hey like i really like your story you you just whatever just use the box we don't care we just like it when we get we get little emails when people drop that off in there um that's really nice we always cry what comes next oh uh you can also check us out on social media uh instagram and twitter at h-h-i-b-k-h podcast don't laugh at me if you're on (laughs) 
<laughs> if, if you go on Instagram, you're going to get me, Katie. And if you go on Twitter, you're going to maybe sometimes get Zoe. Hi. Hello. It's me. <laughs> Hello. It's me. Okay. I'm tired. Let's, uh, let's, let's dab it. Let's dab on out of here. Uh, haunt her. I barely know her. Cool. Or that fella. Or that UFO. Ooh.